Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadgets. For all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, cooler, and lighter. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the 153angler.com. Now let's join our special guest around the campfire. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Brad Herbos here. And this week we are bringing on Eric Peterson and Jasper Poor from Tailgate Tales. So we're just going to bring them right on in. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I think it's going to be a real fun show. Uh, I'm interested to hear about your guys is filming endeavors in the field and how you do it and some future things you guys got that you're working on. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to know where this one's going to go. Cool. Thank you Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we'll just get right on into it. Um, how did you guys get, like, how did you get into hunting? Like what did you start as big game hunters, which rolled into evolved into upland? Did you start as upland as a tradition or did you just like family and traditions or did you just jump into it? Yeah, I'll start off. Uh, so I'm, I'm the son of a lifelong hunter. Um, grew up hunting with my three brothers in Minnesota. I grew up in the Midwest. Um, you know, started out like most kids uh, hunting deer and then bear and primarily big game. And uh, when I was in high school, I started working for a dog trainer, which got me into, into dogs. And uh, that quickly led into a whole rabbit hole that I still haven't found my way out of. Uh, and now I live in Montana. I've got two pointing dogs and, and uh, bird hunt as much as I possibly can. That's awesome. It's amazing what dogs bring to the perspective and how they just grab a hold of your heart and never let go. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where now it's, I'm hard pressed to get out and hunt big game because I like watching them work so much that that's kind of my focus these days. I, I completely understand that. I'm the same way. <laughs> I mean, I'm thankful enough. I have some private land. My father-in-law is a 40 acres in a very heavily populated deer area. So it's pretty easy. Nice. And we have a really, really ridiculous doe to rate buck ratio. So we have to take does as well. So it's real easy for me to go out on opening day gun season, 
pretty not never guaranteed, right? There's no guarantees, right. but it's pretty guaranteed I'm gonna leave with the dough that day. And then I can go right back into bird hunting. <laughs> That's perfect. Punch that tag and get back to it. Yeah, exactly. Throw some meat in the freezer for the year for my wife and I, and we're right back to chasing birds, doing what we actually like to, what I actually like to do. Nice. nice. That's great. That's cool. Um, well, I didn't necessarily grow up hunting. Uh, kind of got into it in high school. We found our way to a bird dog through my mom, who's a writer, and she did a story on a breeder, and we were able to pick up a dog, and so I started hunting with her and. Ever since then, I've kind of been addicted to it. I started, grew up in Montana, started with skiing and then kind of have been edging my way over. And now it's kind of all I think about is like when I'm going to get out and hunt pheasants again or when Eric and I are going to get out and chase birds around. And yeah, it's it's definitely an addiction. So I've, I've loved every part of it though. Yeah, it's something like when you start chasing birds with a dog or you having bringing a dog into your hunt, because I know some bear guys that run dogs too. And like they just like mm-hmm. the dogs just change the experience. And to me, they make it just so much more fulfilling. I know plenty of people that get a lot out of deer hunting and treat like out of a tree stand and love that, that time to reflect by themselves. But I just love the stillness of the woods other than a bell ring. Or actually, I really love the stillness when the bell stops ringing. And then, yeah. like, this, <laughs> and then like the yeah. anticipation's just there, right? Because then it's like, all right, now, now, like now, I have to do my job for the dog. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. When I so can put both- a bird up over my dog, it's like the best thing ever. Ever love it for Ex- her. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So being out in Montana, then I know you guys touched base on pheasants. Uh, what do you like? What do you all chase out there for birds then? Uh, Hungarian partridge and sharp tail is mostly in the area we live. And then if you travel north or east of here, um, that's where you find the pheasants. So, and then blue grouse in the mountains, um, mountain grouse, ruffs, blues, all that. So September is usually, if if we're not elk hunting, uh, it's spent chasing mountain grouse. And then pheasant opens in October and that pretty much consumes us until January 1st nice so you have a good wild bird population of pheasants i'd assume then yeah yeah uh seems like this year has has been pretty good in most parts of the state it's kind of up and down depending on where you go but yeah there's certainly a good wild bird population plenty of uh public land to chase them on so it's a good we're we're living the dream out here (laughs) oh yeah nice It'd probably take the snow to kick me out of the mountains, though. I mean, I just have such a, like, rough grouse is really what I love. I love my dog working in the woods. I pheasant hunt, but there's just, I love watching her work woods, especially when you're into that younger forest that's super thick, because I do a lot of woodcock hunting as well, and how they navigate through that all the time. I just, I just am in awe all the time. So if I, I mean, if I had that type of selection for, like, different availability of birds like that, it take the snow would have to push me down the mountain is really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, how do you guys like because you guys film and I touched base on that quick on the intro? Like, what is your guys' plan? Like when you go out and like you plan to film something, like what is your kind of your thought process there? Like, how do you guys like I'm like, do you like discuss it ahead of times or is it just a lot of footage in the field that you're editing down to make like because I watched the one show that you guys have linked in Tailgate Tales, and man, that thing hit home. So, mm. yeah, uh, long way home. Is yeah, that what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, Jasper, why don't you take this one for starters and how we how we prep? Because Jasper is kind of the um, he does a lot of the pre-production work uh, in terms of 
laying out stories and, and visuals. So go for it. Yeah, I, I guess for me, uh, everything's in the pre-planning before we go out. I mean, the only thing that I really worry about day of is weather and how that's going to change the plan I've already made. Um, I'll spend days focusing on like what shots I want and that way I can be ready for any shot that I have listed. Like I try and plan my whole editing process before I even leave the door so that I get every single shot I need. Um, So when we're back, we're not, we're not wishing like, Oh, I wish I had a shot of him dropping a shotgun shell on the gun or whatever it is, you know, the money shot of the pheasant coming up. You want all those. So when I'm starting to plan a video shoot, I kind of figure off of what's the location and I go from there. I'm like, okay, what shots can I get there? Is it mountainous trees? Like, do I want a grass shot of the wind blowing through? Do I want tree shots of big old pine trees or whatever it is? Um, so I'll just go. Oh, we lost him. Yeah, he cut out a little bit. <laughs> I'll hopefully, pick up. Ho- hopefully, he We're bounces back ready. here. Yeah. Oh, you're back. Yeah, okay. yeah we lost you for a second. Oh, no. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, I mean, that, it's all down to just figuring out each shot. So once you have yeah, that kind of nailed, you can kind of go from there. We spend a lot of time storyboarding ahead of time and, um, mm-hmm. you know, pulling samples of visuals that, that we like, that we know will fit into whatever mm-hmm. piece we're working on. And this is a work in progress. Like we're, it's a process for us. We um, just started Buckshot Collective this year, which is, um, you know, he and I and a group of friends that, uh we can pull talent from to do these productions long way home um that i shot last year and released about a month ago uh in conjunction with pheasants forever that one i shot primarily by myself out in the field uh involved some amount of hunting here in montana the main subject lives here but he grew up in south dakota and the story was about going back home um to where his father hunted and hunting some of his his dad's old spot. So, um, you know, the, the bulk of that was me running and gunning, um, shooting too much footage, using the shotgun approach literally. <laughs> and then, and then leaning heavily on Jasper on post-production to help me kind of narrow that down and turn it into a story. Um, my background is in journalism. So, um, you know, I have the, I have that to draw from as far as the storyline and narrative arc part of it. And then Jasper's background is in film. So it's a good, uh, we're a good combination because he, he brings mm-hmm. in some of that more refined uh, shooting style and, and filmmaking and post-production style. So, um, but yeah, the long way home, I, I shot, shot footage for that for three years before we actually put it together, just because there was a lot of background that I needed to get and, you know, for any any of these productions, there, there's some amount of getting to know the subject and getting to be comfortable hunting styles and running the dogs and all that stuff. There's a lot of gelling that needs to happen before you can actually start, you know, getting the meat of the story and getting the, the bulk of it. So it's a process. Um, and then, you know, with Jasper and I partnering now and doing Buckshot Collective, he's really running the video camera and I'm shooting stills. So we kind of have both elements. Um, there's some amount of crossover in that, like shooting video versus shooting stills. You're still focusing on that best time of day for lighting and, you know, sure. those kind of elements. But, um, you know, obviously it has has some 
differences what we're looking for mm -hmm. film versus photo too right and then you both have your own creative eye right so when you can blend those two things together and you should get a slightly better quality right because one person saw something the other didn't and they're like whoa like that turned out really good or like I, I never even would have thought for that shot, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of working with a team is the more creative people you can get together on some of these projects, the more, uh, the better the product, just because you have all these different uh, perspectives and creative eyes and concepts coming together. So that's what makes it really fun. It's really interesting to hear, like, I don't do pretty much anything with film. I do like 10 second Instagram reels and they're not fancy by any means, right? Like I just, yeah. like, I love the thought behind it. And I like, but like I watch films like what you guys have done and other high quality productions. And I, I look at them like, I never would have thought to get B-roll like that. And I'll be honest, I don't plan anything, right? I might grab a camera with and run out into the field with my dog and be like, oh, that's a cool shot. And that's about it. Like I don't go into the field like thinking I want to get this shot or I want right. to get this shot. Like I can completely see from your standpoint, like what, with what you guys are doing, like you got to have that like list of what you, because it's planned to a degree, right? Yeah. Like hunt, yeah. Like yeah. hunt itself yeah. isn't planned, but you know what you need to make the story. So you know yeah. where you have to position yourself, you know what you're looking for. And, mm -hmm. and that, that really shows in like the long way home and things like that type of film production level. Cause that's not just throwing it together, like on a whim. Yeah, no, it does take a lot of pre-planning. Um, and a lot of, luck for things to come together at the right time i mean mm -hmm. uh long way home we spent seven days filming in south dakota i feel like we could have spent three or four more to really get those shots that, that really make the film because you know we're hunting wild birds they don't they don't necessarily hold the way you want them you don't, right, they don't yeah. flush the way you want them to they're flushing wild the main subjects missing every other bird or whatever the situation right. is it's like <laughs> there's a lot the dogs are busting wild whatever there's a lot of elements that have to come together for that to actually work and then if, you know if you want five or six of those great point flush retrieve sequences you might spend six days to get those five or whatever so right because yeah, it's hunting. certainly a lot of luck it's hunting yeah at yeah. the end of the day it's hunting right and yeah I've, I've been behind some amazing dogs i'll like i'll never say my dog is amazing by any means like i don't talk my dog up myself because i i'm <laughs> behind way better dogs than her i love her to death she's a rescue i rescued her at six and she's turned out to be a really good hunting wow. dog i look at what she is though and i look at like what i would have had her as a puppy i'm like man yeah. there was so much to yeah. do there that just wasn't brought out in training younger but sure. it's still dogs right like dogs yeah. do mm -hmm. crazy things sometimes like dogs have off days i've seen great pointing dogs like basically say i'm not going to point today i'm going to run 80 yards in front of you and flush birds like a madman yeah well that doesn't make for good film if you're working right. for trying to get like that point and that flood right yeah 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 no, there's a lot of a uh, lot of moving parts, and then you throw in the the audio, the video, all the moving parts in the production end of things, and it's uh, I mean it's sort of surprising that any of it turns out at the end of the day, but I guess perseverance helps too. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a tedious task editing down that much footage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in I mean, the process of doing that right now, and it's it's kind of grueling, but like. You get to a certain point and it's like you see it coming together and that's when you're like okay this is worth it but the initial part of it not so fun i think eric can definitely 
yeah, relate I like, to that. <laughs> yeah, I liken it to um, putting together a 2000 piece puzzle and yeah. it could go together in like 200 different ways. Sure. So, uh, you know, it all is sort of up to you. And the beginning is just grueling because you have all these pieces, thousands of pieces, and you have to somehow add some level of organization to them and then figure out your narrative arc where the tension is in the story. If you're trying to create a story, there's plenty, you know, you can, you can do video without the story element, but what we're doing is sort of documentary style. Um, so there needs to be a storyline. Um, so there's that element too. So there's, yeah, I mean, but like Jasper said, when you start getting close and things start taking shape, then it gets really fun. And it's, to me, it's almost as fun as the shooting part is when that story starts to take form and you can see it and you can envision the end and um, see the pieces all fitting together. It's kind of magic. That makes really sense. Is. I mean, fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's got to just be a lot of watch and film at first, right? Like, it's, I mean, because you, I feel like if it'd be me, and I I have no idea what I'm talking about here, to be honest, but I'd be like, you almost got to watch a lot of it. And so you don't miss something that was there that you didn't see, right? Because you might have caught something on camp, like yet you didn't even realize you caught and it just fit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I put a, I put a GoPro on the dog in South Dakota for six days. So I had six days worth of dog running through brush. That was real. <laughs> real chaotic and real, real rowdy. Um, and, and I had to wade through that because I knew there were a few times when birds flushed off the dog mm -hmm. and I was looking for those pieces. So yeah, I mean, you're wading through hours and hours and hours of real bad shaky footage to try and find those three seconds of gold. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. For all the aspiring people out there, do you have any tips without giving away trade secrets on like how you guys mark, good footage like when you like when you know you just got a shot you want to easily be able to find and get back to like do you guys like make like make notes on that do you mm -hmm. like do you have a special like like how do you guys handle that much footage to like kind of get it down to like things you know you want to look at right away because you think it was there i typically will just like put my hand in front of my lens and take a photo or take a clip of it so that way you're looking through the files and you see that but that makes that's kind of the only sense. way I've found. I don't know. Usually I'm too focused on what we're filming to really be thinking about that clip. I'm like, oh, that was it. And then I just keep going. So Got I usually it. have to, I need to get better at doing that is really what it is. <laughs> so save me some time. No, that makes sense though. With taking like an off shot of something. Cause the podcast here started with kayak fishing. That's And then I was a big kayak tournament fisher. That's how I met the guys here. But Hunting was my true passion. And I've kind of backed off the tournament thing and really got back to my roots of focusing on hunting. Um, but for us kayak tournament anglers, what we had to do is we had to take a photo of the picture on a picture of the fish on a certified measuring board. Mm -hmm. And you take multiple photos to make sure you have one that the lighting's okay, you can read the measurements, the fish's mouth is closed, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But every a lot of people are like, How do you like make sure you don't duplicate the same fish? And I take a picture of the water. Mm, yeah. yeah. So there putting you your yep. hands because that concept. Way there, 
same concept because that way there yep. I know here's a hard break. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anything like that, I'd say. Eric, do you have anything? I don't. Generally, I have a like if I see something unfold and I know I recorded it, I have a pretty good idea. And at the end of the day, when I get back, I dump all the footage onto a hard drive into you know day folders or um, labeled by date or whatever, and then I'll make notes. I, I generally keep like a, some form of journal for the day, um, just so I can note that stuff. Like on day two, uh, you know, second outing in the corn, he shot a rooster and it was a perfect rise and that kind of thing. So I'll have I'll have those kind of notes to refer back to. But um, but no, most of it is just I kind of keep that keep track of that stuff in my mind. Which probably isn't a very good method at all. <laughs> but you found a rhythm with it too, where you're like you're able to remember the events and you can kind yeah. of scroll through footage. But if you're yeah. trying to do if you're shooting all day long, if you're on an elk hunt and you're shooting everything because you have to shoot everything, yeah, I would just mark it with my hand. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. And I'm sure different type of hunting or filming of different styles of hunting completely it might even completely change how you would do it. Like you just said, when yeah. you're filming for an elk hunt it's got to be just a tremendous amount of film when you're out in the mountains. Yeah. Whereas if you're jumping between different fields, say in South Dakota, you do have some downtime in between when you're kind of jumping around and moving positions and changing spots. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So do you guys still get a chance to hunt then? I mean, if you're out, I mean, cause fall is so limited and you, and you're chasing that and you're chasing the stories, right? That's, which yeah. is awesome. I love it. Like, the story to me is a huge thing. Like I get very, very bored. Watch like I don't have ADHD, but it takes a lot to keep me to watch something. I don't watch YouTube. But like I don't watch a lot of that YouTube stuff because I just yeah. I make it a minute and a half. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm out. But like yeah. like long way home. Like I watched the whole thing. Like it had, like the story kept me involved enough where I'm like, oh, this is great. Thanks. That's so. Awesome. I know I kind of completely went off subject what I was just saying though, but like no. when you guys are chasing that story, like do you still get a chance to like set it all down and get your out with your dogs and still actually hunt? I mean, that's the goal. It's gotten harder and harder each year. Uh, this year we have a pretty full slate shooting upland hunting. Um, and you know, it's the season is limited. So it's a fine line to walk between. We try and we've been trying to schedule a day of hunting for ourselves after we get done filming. Yeah. Just kind sure. of schedule that into the plan because there's nothing worse than going out, watch somebody else shoot a whole bunch of roosters and then <laughs> wrapping it up and going home. <laughs> you know? And then going right into that production yeah. mode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a little anticlimactic. So we've been, we've been trying to schedule that in, but certainly not enough. I mean, um, I guess I have the great benefit of this tailgate tail series of being the host and Jasper's running the camera. So I'm yeah. carrying a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still shooting some birds. Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to keep Jasper around if I don't let him <laughs> uh, carry the gun from time to time. So yeah, we, we're trying to find that balance certainly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, you know, I do a lot of still photography as well. And that, that I can do while I hunt, I'm able to just, carry a camera, carry a still camera with me and sling it over my back and, and shoot photos as we go. So that's, that's a lot easier to pull off. If you're just shooting still photos, it's a lot easier to pull off hunting and shooting versus, you know, if you're shooting video, you got to be thinking about audio. You got to be thinking about shot selection and how you're going to, you know, motion. Are we going to carry a stabilizer to 
follow this one or uh, there's just a lot more moving parts with video so it becomes a lot harder to to do both sure no that that makes a lot of sense too especially especially when you're doing a production quality film like you don't want shaky stuff you're not like you use gopro footage off the dog right but it's not like you're shooting this all off of gopros and blending it together i mean it's not right. that type of level of it's not that's not what you're doing correct yeah now we're carrying large heavy cameras in the field and there's no there's no other activity going on when jasper's running the camera that's all he's doing for yeah. sure yeah. You probably wouldn't want, you probably wouldn't want the extra six pounds of a gun around you at that point. I'm <laughs> right. No, not when I have like the 20 pound camera and then like all these things sticking out of my back and there's no, there's no room for a gun. <laughs> yeah. So I do have a question though, cause you said you do still photography when you're hunting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you take like, for me personally, um, how, like you said, you sling the camera around your back. Is that sure. the approach you also take? Like when you're hunting mountain birds? Cause I've been trying to like rack my brain on like how to semi protect a, a better than like, I have a Sony mirrorless. That's what I'm running. I'm running an a 6,000, right? Yeah. It's not the most robust camera in the world, right? It's, it's, right. it's, I'm going to call it fragile. Yeah. Like, so when you're out doing your stills, like it, if you're doing that in the mountains, what, what's your approach there to like, keep your camera gear safe, but still take good camera gear with you. Yeah. Uh, this year I got a little peak design, um, clip that, that I put right on my vest strap okay. and then I could cl clip my camera right on there on my left shoulder. So I'm shouldering my gun on my right. My camera's over here on the left. Um, that's worked pretty well. Uh, it's sort of limited to a lighter weight lens. So I'm not running a mm -hmm. 70 to 200 lens or anything like that on there. I'm running maybe a 50 millimeter prime or a 28 millimeter, depending on what I'm going for that day. Um, but with like the camera you're talking about, it's fairly small, fairly lightweight. You could run that on your vest strap fairly easily, and that's a nice way to do it. I actually uh, have one of the, I actually have one of those peak clips actually. Oh yeah. I have, okay. So I use that when we. Um, I've actually used that quite a bit, like traveling like internationally with my wife for like just trips and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, like a backpack strap because it's really quick mm -hmm. and easy. And I was actually toying around with that idea, but some of the covers I hunt, man, I don't know if they'll yeah. survive. <laughs> yeah. What I ended up doing was just getting a real cheap strap that just got little uh, D clips that I can clip to the camera and I just sling it around and behind me and tuck it into my game bag, assuming sure. the game bag isn't full of bloody birds. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and that kind of keeps it protected and, and out of the way. And that's, that works well too. That's a good, that makes sense. I, I just wanted to touch base on that quick while we're talking photography. Cause that's something yeah. I don't, I do. I enjoy it. Right. It's not like a first passion of mine, but I enjoy it. And I, I like it when I get that good picture and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was worth it. Right. Yeah. And there's a big yeah. difference between a real camera. At least I think there's a big difference between like that camera and my iPhone. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you leave that camera in the car, your photos aren't going to be nearly as good. I mean, across the board, if, you know, listeners are carrying a camera, you're going to get better photos versus leaving the camera in the car, snapping a, cell phone picture in the field and then maybe taking some tailgate pictures when you get back because we've all we all have seen a bird come out of the back of the vest after slogging around for three hours in the field they just don't look that good they lose mm -hmm. color right. the feathers get ruffled so and just the quality of background and the quality of light and all that stuff is so much better in the field so if you're you know if you're carrying a camera in the field you're going to get just better photos and i think eric and i were I learned that the hard way too last year 
when we were yeah. out we were out hunting yeah we learned that one the hard way we left both of our cameras in the in the truck and we were out hunting and it was the most amazing sunset ever and we only had iphone pictures to show for it for the most part so and that has yeah, to eat you two up right that's just got to oh, eat you both up especially oh, we, were, we full on sprinted back to the truck both of us we couldn't yeah we couldn't handle it anymore we were taking cell phone pictures and both like this isn't working so we ran we sprinted back to the truck to try and get to the cameras before the sunset died away and and we made it and and got some yeah. amazing photos that night oh yeah so They're it was pretty. worth it but we learned a lesson we don't we don't leave the truck without our cameras anymore yeah <laughs> that I'd makes sense have a bloody camera than have no camera so i'll just stick in yeah. my game bag <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no that makes sense that and if you're carrying it you're gonna be more likely to use it right exactly because yeah. exactly. i mean everyone always has their cell phone on them and it has a camera mm -hmm. and people do great things with iphone cameras and anger mm -hmm. camera whatever but cell phone cameras yeah. in general but if you're carrying a real camera with you i know i i'm more apt to use it and like if something catches my eye I'd be like ooh. That'd be a really cool photo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you're getting cool photos of the landscape and the the flora and fauna around you versus just a dead bird in your hand. And I, yeah, I think right. that adds a lot too. Even if it's just for your Instagram page, it adds a little variety. Exactly. Yeah, it's not just about, or at least for me, and I've talked about this tons of times on the show, it's, it's all about the experience for me, mm -hmm. right? So it's not just about the kill shot. It's not just about harvesting and it's about the entire experience and that was actually one of the goals I set for myself, which I haven't really focused on at all. So that I'll have to get, keep working on it, but I wanted to do a better job of telling that experience through my camera. Sure. Yeah. 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 And that's a great way to do it. Yeah. And, that, and I mean, that's kind of what, I mean, like you guys took that and like you took it to a whole nother level. Cause now, I mean, you guys are telling stories and doing video and everything else. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you're making like, you're like making an experience itself out of it. Like you're not, not only are you filming an experience, you're making it into a creative experience out of your own, which is, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's taken a while to get here. Certainly, it, it, uh, you know, we both Jasper's just coming out of film school, but I spent, um, more than a decade in the newspaper industry as a photographer. And then another five or 10 years as a freelance magazine and, general photographer and just in the last five years or so have I been able to kind of blend my two passions of photography and filmmaking with with hunting so it's taken me a while to get to that point but it's yeah it's sort of that's the goal <laughs> right I mean there's always that at least for me there's that fine line of turning a passion into a career because like I've done that before with like certain things and I kind of started to lose that passion. so there's that fine line there yeah especially and i can really see that being hard too because as much as i love i love hunting it's my release like that's how i that's i go outdoors to find myself again or lose myself intentionally yeah i, I gotta be careful i don't lose that along the yeah. way yeah 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 and i think we're still walking that edge we'll see we'll see how successful <laughs> yeah. that ends up that could go either way certainly yeah it's tough but I think I think for me it's like if I'm out in the field I want my camera no matter what like it's still my it, like hunting is my release but having the camera there is is just non-negotiable at this point so yeah the, the two way. the two kind of blended yep. and that works just fine I'm okay <laughs> but but that makes sense though because that's like like I said I'm always like I, I want the experience right and the experience mm -hmm. for me like I really love the dog work 
but if you like the photography and videography side is like like and, and yeah you love your dog work right but if that's like really one of your big deals i mean that's part of the experience right you don't yeah, want exactly. to leave that out of it mm-hmm. yeah 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 especially for point. me it's like having my dog on camera is like the coolest thing ever so why sure, wouldn't yeah. you want to show their progression too yeah 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 and i think i think i'm in the same boat at this point i i'm just as happy getting a, a great photo from the field as i am getting a bird so mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's equally important to have the camera as it is the gun at this point because it's just as fun Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear, like, it, it, it is interesting to hear that, but I completely understand what you're saying. I, I get that a hundred percent. Um, cause I've gotten a couple of those pictures before and I'm like, wow, like that's like, that's better than some of the birds I've ever shot or like that, like that made my trip. It wasn't so yeah. much about the hunt itself. It was how it unfolded. And I was able to capture a part of that. And yeah. even if it's not like this world-class vote to me, yeah. and that's what really yeah. matters. Cause it's my experience. To me, yeah. that's what made it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Couldn't agree more. So I completely understand where you guys are coming from there and like how you can't leave your cameras behind. Like that makes like, it almost, it's, you know, so are you almost like, would you rather have a camera than a gun? Like, no, where are you on that line yes. then? Yes. Yeah. I'm yes. not there yet. For me, for me at least. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't go anywhere without my camera. I like literally everywhere. And and then like when my when my big DSLR camera gets too heavy, I bought like a little point and shoot one that I can take now just because I hate taking photos on my phone. I just can't stand it. So I'd rather have the camera than anything else. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's really great to like hear you got like like the passion you guys have for that. And it like it really shows in your work and it like I've always like I've always kind of thought to my like these guys are like on another like like way other level than me. But like you can tell like people that are really good at what they do. Right. And it just shows because like a lot of that has to do with time involved. Right. Like you have years involved to being a photographer before you're able to get to this step. You have a degree yeah. in it and you go everywhere with a camera. Like yeah. it just showed like when you're constantly practicing what you do, you start to perfect it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other, go ahead. I was going to say, I think some of that gets lost at times on like when people look at Instagram stuff and they don't realize the time and effort that goes behind what even might be like this short 30 second clip. They might be like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, I wonder how they do that. Like, and I've thought about that before and like, man, there's, and then like, I started to really think about like, there's a lot of time that went into that 30 seconds right there. Cause you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that goes back to the pre-planning, the equipment, like all. Yeah, it's it certainly takes some time and effort. Um, and I think the other key is that we're both bird hunters doing this. We're not mm-hmm. uh, coming at this from an outside perspective of like, how does it? I mean, there's certainly value sometimes in having a new set of eyes enter mm-hmm. into a subject, whether it's hunting or whatever it is, and be like, because they see things much differently. Sure. On the flip side, for us, I think it's there's a huge value in the fact that we're both avid bird hunters 
capturing this because we know the progression of things. We know when the dog does this, this is what's going to happen next. Or when, you know, mm-hmm. well, there's good cover coming up. Generally, this is how this works. Um, so I think that also helps that kind of like progression of steps that it takes to get those key shots. Mm-hmm. And then we're also always like pushing the boundaries of like, how, how can we do this in a new way? Or uh, I used to have a newspaper editor that said that would always say, show me something new or show me something old done in a new way. Meaning like, you know, we, especially now with Instagram, we've all seen it all. It's all been done. Right. Right. So how do you remake that? How do you come up with a new creative approach? And that's kind of like, I feel like that's our job at the core is making something uh, old in a new way, making it shine in a different way, making a photo that not everybody has seen before on Instagram or making a film that uh, visually is stunning for one reason or another. Yeah, that makes and and that makes sense. And I guess in that regard, like Instagram's probably got to make it really hard on you guys, like because you have so much creativity out there. Like it's got to be re- even harder to try to figure out, like like you said, how do we make this like unique? Basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, I I mean I take it as a challenge though. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, it, that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it can be a good thing. I, it's you know oversaturation is real. Like right. the mark that like we've all seen so much now that it's easy to just scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, but on the other hand, it does, at least for Jasper and I, and uh, plenty of other professionals in the field, it just forces you to up your game and think, well, how can I do it better? Cause I need to do it better if I'm going to make a living at this. Mm-hmm. Right. And that makes sense. I mean, I guess that goes, like, I guess you could kind of look at that. Like if you're like, I used to be like, I used to work on a race team. And you always mm-hmm. wanted to like race against the better teams because it pushes you to get better. It pushes you to yep. drive faster, go deeper into those corners, break harder. Except like it pushes you harder to become better. So yep. I, I guess I never looked at it that way where it just is going to push you harder to be more creative, dig deeper, try to find that something new or like you said, make something old new again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes that's just lighting. Sometimes that's the you know, changing your perspective, getting down low or up high, or, um, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to do that. It's more a matter of adjusting your mindset to think that like, okay, I've got my safety shot. Now I got the grip and grin holding a bird. Now what, how can I make this look better? How can I make this different? How can I make this even more appealing or, or a new shot that nobody's seen before? Makes sense. And then having that good camera on you makes it even better. Right. Yeah, that's the icing on the cake. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's part of it too, is having, having the right equipment and knowing how to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're traveling around, do you do a lot of this in state in Montana? Are you going to other destinations now that you're starting now with tailgate tales? Are you going to more destinations now? Yep. Uh, A lot of it's in Montana yet, but there's, there's more and more travel every year. Yep. So we'll be, I'm headed to Nebraska next week, and then uh, we'll be in Utah um, later this fall. And um, so Idaho, maybe if I can fit that in for some truckers. So yeah, uh, it's, get, it's getting to be more travel, which is fun. And, you know, it kind of broadens out that hunting experience, getting to hunt different species and different terrain. And um, that all 
forces that like how am i going to shoot this new well i've never shot that i've never shot chucker country before so that'll be totally new to me sure sure mm -hmm. so do you bring your dogs on like do you bring your dogs with like and take a couple days afterwards after you figured out what to do out there and run some good covers i'd have yeah to. like there's no yeah, way the dogs in. yeah the dogs are always along yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least that because then you can mix work with play right because you have some yeah, days mm -hmm. you have to focus you have to get your shots and then now you've explored miles of country you have an idea of what the heck especially when you, you've never hunted chuckers neither have i i wouldn't have a clue but if you go out there and you figure out the habitat while you're working and then you can be like oh well now i know right where to go back with the dogs yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly yeah you're on yeah. onyx marking every spot yeah <laughs> why are you on your phone so much don't worry about that <laughs> checking my notes yeah i'm afraid if we get if either of us get another dog, we're going to have to buy a dog trailer just to, <laughs> just yeah. to travel with all our yeah. camera gear and all our dogs and all our hunting gear. It's getting to be a little excessive. <laughs> we need an RV, really. We do. <laughs> See, I've always said that would be the ultimate, a class C or like class A toy hauler and not to hauling yeah. toys, having yep. kennels in the back and like, <laughs> yeah. and, like, and like cabinets and whatnot for all like the upland gear and that. And then you guys can have camera area stuff. And there you go. Like, see, mm -hmm. that's where it's. And then you don't yep. have to worry about finding a place to stay anymore. Exactly. Right? That's the key. Yeah. You just pull yeah. over, you're there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Makes those longer drives easier, too, when you can tag team it and one can actually go sleep on a bed. Right. See, that's smart. Yeah, we need to do that. That's next. <laughs> Maybe season two will get, like, a trailer sponsor. Who's it? Who knows? We'll go. figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But it's, it's great that you guys are able to blend the two now. Like, cause you're able to bring your dogs with, you're able to hunt these, like you're in Montana a lot now, but you're starting to expand. It's starting to take you in different directions, which is, which is great. Like Arizona has got what, four species of quail. You can hunt like all within the same little area of itself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, find wind up shooting something down there. And all of a sudden now, now you guys are going down there for your quail slam. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that. That's sweet. <laughs> see i'm that's throwing ideas idea. at you guys we, we need to find someone down there yeah that's a good idea yeah. we need to bring you on <laughs> love that love the offer i already got enough going <laughs> yeah but no that's great that you're able to like start to blend that and that's got to like even bring the passion out more because now now it's it's got at least for me it'd make it seem less like work even though you're working yeah you got your dogs with you're still able to hunt it you're able to actually enjoy the entire aspect and then you had the filming part which you really enjoy as well which is obvious from talking to you guys especially jasper who'd rather have a camera than a gun gun so i mean you i'm get... sure i'll eat my words on that one <laughs> but, yeah, but it's all about it it's it's all about that experience and, yeah. and that's yeah. and that's really what it comes back to is everyone's individual experience yeah it's it's unbeatable i mean i don't know i don't think i could trade the work we do for anything in the world like spending time in the field and, and hunting and filming and whatever we're filming that day i'm i'm so grateful it doesn't feel like work at all so i don't know i think even eric after all these years too he's probably in the same boat we both get super excited when we see that nice sunset coming up where he's just like oh yeah time to pull over so yeah or watch the dog go on point or yes. any of that yeah it's mm -hmm. all it all is super exciting yeah so do you two hunt a lot together then or do you guys kind of like after like a long like a long week or 
weeks of filming? Are you kind of like, eh, I'm going to go over this way. You can do whatever you like. Well, we do, we do still hunt quite a bit together. I've yeah. got kids. Um, so my, this fall I've been, um, you know, trying to get them out. They just turned 12 and 13. So they're at that, uh, perfect age of getting them hooked on the sport. So, sure. uh, usually if we're not filming, I'm, I'm trying to get them out in the field. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, we, we still, we, Jasper and I still do a lot of hunting together, even though we yeah. spend a fair amount of time in the field working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're with well, each other now. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not annoying each other yet. That's a good thing, not, right? Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Fingers well, crossed. That's, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's got to be fun, though, getting the kids out now, right? I mean, it's like to see that, like, that passion start to ignite in their eyes. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, that's, it doesn't get any better than that. That's probably my favorite thing. I'd rather, rather watch them get something. My oldest just got his first deer this past weekend. And it was my dad was and mom and dad were both there for it. And, uh, it was a fantastic experience. Super fun. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, the yeah. first is always amazing, right? I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it, I mean, it's such a huge thing for the confidence too. Like, like that yeah. gives you the confidence. Like, I know what I like. I know what I'm doing, and I can keep moving forward. I mean, that's that's a huge deal. It is, yeah. And it was a big step for him. And it's one of those we hunted hard for two days and struggled. And I was like, man, it's like you need to get that win in order for them to keep that passion and keep wanting to go because kids that age don't like to get up early in the morning and go sit in the cold and walk long distances or any of that stuff. <laughs> so you kind of need to get that reward at the end of the day. Um, I, I've seen that. Yeah. I took my, I took my nephews out quite a bit and especially my one nephew and, and he never was able to harvest a deer before he kind of went and st started to do other, took other paths in his life. He's, it's not that he doesn't hunt, but his family didn't hunt anymore. Yeah. And then I, like between my career and everything else, it was really hard for me to keep getting him out. And he wasn't able to get that, but I could see that though. Like, yeah, I think if he would have got that win, I think it would have yeah. been huge. Cause I think yeah. that would have just mm -hmm. thrown a gasoline on the fire that was there. And, and he, he might've continued to drive on then. I don't know. I, who knows? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that, but that win is huge for any, like, even for me, I, I really remember the first year I got, cause I started hunting when I was 23 because my family mm -hmm. didn't hunt. So yeah. I, I vividly remember that first year and I was like, wow, like this is why I sat here for seven hours and froze, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need that at the end of the day. And, and I'm still trying to get my youngest, his first bird. He, he had a couple shots this weekend and didn't quite connect. Man, wing shooting is so hard. Even for adults, wing shooting is hard. So to try and pull all the pieces together to get a kid on that and then have them connect it's that's a challenge <laughs> it's a challenge as long as they don't get frustrated and they keep having fun right yeah and that's kind of the line we're walking now is how do you keep it fun even though you know there's a lot of miles walked and and you get to the end and miss that shot it's, right yeah that's tough to swallow for anybody but especially <laughs> for a 12 year old who's never actually connected but it'll happen it will. I mean, we all and, go through that. Oh, I miss plenty. 
especially because yeah. I love to chase grouse. I mean, I can't count the number of pine trees and, and aspen that have given their lives to save that bird. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's tough to tell a kid that it took it took you just as long as it's taking them, sometimes even longer to get that first one because all they see is what's in front of them. Right. But, but yeah, keep the stoke high with donuts and lots of treats and <laughs> good dog work. I mean, good they, dog work. If they can find the passion for the dogs, I think it's probably that that yeah. makes things even easier. Because yeah, and that's the biggest thing keeping them going right now for sure. Yeah, they love being out with the dogs, so we've got that going for us. Well, the dogs make everything. Well, at least for me, the dogs yeah. make everything special. So yeah, 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 yeah. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Oh, that's, 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 that's some cool stuff right there. I mean, it really is. I mean, between getting the kids out and you're filming and everything else, it's, it's gotta make fall a really busy schedule for you guys, but it's gotta be something you probably look forward to all year. Like the rest of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little more scheduling logistics probably, but yeah, otherwise it's, it's the same as every avid hunter is trying to figure out how, how often you can get out without losing your job <laughs> right <laughs> how much can i push it this year before my yeah. boss says that's too much exactly <laughs> yep. yep oh that's great it's so true of every hunter i know that's so true yeah yeah so yeah and we've got go ahead go ahead no go ahead uh we've got an exciting new project that we're working on this year that we sort of alluded to, but um, this Tailgate Tales YouTube series that we're working on is, has been a fun one. We've got uh, five episodes that we'll be releasing next summer with the, as a lead up to next hunting season. Um, and each, each episode has a different guest and we're hunting in different areas and each of the guests is a creative type of some sort. So we've got a tattoo artist and a writer and a wildlife artist and um, folks like that. Uh, and we kind of, we start out in their creative space and, and see the cool work that they do and then talk about kind of how the outdoors and hunting influences that work and, and vice versa. And then we go hunt. So that's been a, that's been a fun project to work on. And we're still in the midst of filming that this fall. Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. Um, so the, are they, are, were they hunters beforehand then? Cause you said that that's influencing their work. So these are people that are experienced hunters and whatnot. And then you're kind of showing how the outdoors influences their work. For the most part, our first guest uh, hadn't upland hunted before. So that was fun. We took him oh, nice. out for the first time and he, he, we shot some, uh, some clay pigeons beforehand. So he could get the feel of, of the shotgun. He was in the military. So he had plenty of experience with guns, but, but sure. hadn't done much upland hunting and done any upland hunting. So uh, that was a fun experience, but the rest of them have all been um, bird hunting for some time. And most of them, I think, ha all have their own dogs, too. So, All right. So so he hunted over your dogs then? So we took my dogs for that first episode. Yep. 
Yeah. Very. So does he have a so does he have a deposit down on a bird dog now? Uh, he's got it. He's been shopping for a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. Yeah. I'm sure the dog comes next. <laughs> he loves it. That was awesome. We, we saw him. He shot his first bird and he is just hooked. Like you could see it in his eyes as soon as he shot it. It was awesome. So. And then, and then to get that on your story, that's even like that, that's got like that, that's magical yeah. then at that point. Cause yeah. then if you can see that passion ignite and like their whole like mind, like just kind of like shift, like, wow like this just yeah. happened and then you get all that like in high quality as well because that's what you were doing out there i mean that that's something unique that that's special yep. right there yeah it'll be I'm fun we're, we're super excited to start releasing them and mm -hmm. uh, getting them out in the world yeah it's that's be great fun. and that's coming out next summer then mm -hmm. yep very nice yeah. very nice so that's got a that that had to been a ton of planning. I'm assuming, to, like knowing you're going to have a mini series. Yeah, a ton of pre-production, a ton of planning, a ton of figuring out who you know who's hunting what and where, what species, what location, um, all of that. Yeah, and then how we're going to shoot each episode, and yeah, that's been most of the summer really for Jasper. It was. Yeah, <laughs> good majority of the summer, but it's like. For this one, it was fun because we got to explore all these different places in Montana. So, I mean, every place is unique and the challenges we're going to face when we get there are going to be kind of fun to document, especially with the weather that's coming in now that we're getting into the colder months. So yeah. I'm excited to keep filming those. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's like, I just assumed that being that you guys are from Montana, you chase like all the different areas and it's just not like, oh, we'll go do that. Like. I, but I guess that makes sense though, because there's still areas in Wisconsin I haven't touched. Like I haven't been up to the Barren area for first, uh, uh, not spruce grouse. No, I can't remember what it is. Sharp tails. You can't hunt them, but I've never even been on that area to see their habitat. So I guess it makes huh. sense with how big Montana is that you probably don't necessarily just go run out and be like, oh, I'm going to go hunt over here today because that might be a four day weekend to make that work. Yes. Drive. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're spending could, a day driving yeah. at least. Yeah. yeah it just depends i mean i remember in high school we had like an eight hour drive just for a football game so if i'm hunting it's like it's uh the question i usually just go to the same spots but this gives us an opportunity to explore so it's been pretty sweet yeah. well yeah. that is kind of, that is cool because especially and you're not it's not necessarily close to home right if it's a it's a if it's an eight if it's an eight twelve hour drive that's not anything yeah but it's cool that you're exploring your own home state though and learning everything mm -hmm. it has to yeah. offer as well yeah yeah which has been really part. fun yeah mm -hmm. we've got to see some different areas and we have some more coming up we're headed to glen dive in a couple of weeks which is eastern montana which will be fun to explore that area a bit and um yeah just checking out some spots that some areas that we've never hunted or, or uh, rarely hunted. So it gives us a good sure. excuse to put some miles on and explore new country and get the dogs plenty of exercise and experience on wild birds. Yeah, a little, little easier on the pocketbook because you already have a license and you're a resident. You're not buying right. 15 different state licenses every year as non-residents. Right. Yep. Yep. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I know that because I'm leaving this episode airs after I'll be back. So I'm willing to, I'm leaving actually for the UP here uh, Wednesday night. Cool. Oh, nice. So it's, awesome. it's going to be my last hard push for grouse and I'm going to be up there for four or five days, four days, four days. So wow. it's going to be the one real last hard push because 
come early November, Northwoods can start to see snow and things change. And then, mm-hmm. and then towards the end of November, you start, you get all the different gun deer seasons and everything else. Yeah. And I kind of really taper back on the dog hunting while all that's going on. Cause it's just too many people out in the woods for me oh, personally. Sure. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Well, that'll be, yeah, that's and an that, exciting one. And that's hundred percent new to me. I've never been to the UP. Like I've been to the cool. UP for vacation, but I've never gone there to chase grouse. So oh, yeah. I've been looking at all the different maps. I've been, Michigan's got some phenomenal mapping software where it mm-hmm. actually tells you the different type of trees that are there and their age all for free oh, wow. right on there. So wow. I've been doing a ton of internet scouting, like looking for that, like prime Aspen and stuff like that. And I'm like <laughs> dropping waypoints already. Like I want to check this out. I want to <laughs> check this out. I want to check this out. This might be good. Oh, we got some Aspen with some conifer. Oh, now we're really, Oh, with some older forest behind it. That might've yeah. just started to age out. I'm like, all right, that like, that looks like a really good spot. And, until I get there, you don't know, right? You're only yeah. going off of like numbers and colors on a map is what I'm going off of. I might right. get well, there and be like, fun. right. And, <laughs> and th- that is part of the fun, that whole pre-planning side of it and the excitement building up to, I have no idea what I'm going into. I don't even know what the country right. looks like. But yeah. at the same time, good grouse habitat's good grouse habitat. So I should be able to rely on some of what I know, like be like, all right, this looks grousey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's exciting. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited Better for this bring your one. camera. I am. Oh, yeah. It's already, it's already, <laughs> I already got it all charged up and it's already on the counters right next to the dog collars, which are charging right now. So <laughs> good. <laughs> Sounds awesome. That's fun. Yeah, I think that'll be a good trip. I'm, I'm real excited for that one, especially. Um, this was our 12th year at grouse camp. The guy I've gone <laughs> with for the like, he's my best friend. His son is turning 11 next year and is expressing interest in wanting to go. So next year will be the first year his son comes with. And we actually, like for the past two years, we've been out of my camper now. I have a 20-foot camper. So for him and myself and two dogs, it's small. Now we had another kid in there. It could be really small. So I'm staying at a cabin up there that I, a relatively inexpensive cabin. I'm hoping this works. Like I'm hoping I can figure it out because we might be moving grouse camp to the UP. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Sounds fun. So not only am I going there for the first time, it's also my 13th year of grouse camp scouting mission. Wow. That's crazy. What kind of dog do you have? I have a wired hair pointing Griffon. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. So. I've I got a thing for a bearded dog. I I I had a lab before her, but now that I now that I have one, I was just like, they're just fun. They like yeah, I've got is. plenty of pictures where I've had people be like, she looks like a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, Chewbacca. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you guys have for dogs? Because we didn't really touch much on that. Yeah, I've got a I've got my own Chewbacca. I've got a Poodle Pointer who's got a nice beard. Right. Nice, uh, nice, and, and then. He's six, and then I've got a one and a half year old short hair. All right. Uh, I have an English setter. She's seven. I love her. Best Very nice. Dog. Well, only dog I've ever owned, but the best dog I've ever owned. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. My buddy's dog from here, he's, he hunts over a setter. Well, I've hunted over a setter now for 12 nice. years because we hunt nice. together, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but I, I got to ask, how come, how come you went with the GSP and didn't stay with another poodle pointer? Uh, I had a, I had a GSP before the poodle pointer. I just love, I love the breed. I love to sure. watch them run. I, I love trying out different breeds of dogs and 
I might get a setter next. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a diehard one breed type of sure. person. I just like, I like exploring different breeds and seeing their strengths and weaknesses. That's kind of fun for me. So, yeah. And, and there's definitely differences with breeds, right? Um, yeah. I mean, it's for me being my primarily I'm grouse hunting. That that's what led me to a griff because I wanted a closer working dog. And I, I actually just heard this other day that I've heard people refer to him as an old man's dog because of how close they like to work. But yeah. for me in the grouse woods, I like a dog that's not working out real far, but I could see that I, even in pheasants fields, she doesn't go far. Like she's a yeah. close working dog. She is not what I'd want if I lived in, it lived out in quail country. I can, I yeah. mean, I'm sure there's griffs that range far. I'm not saying there isn't, but the ones I've worked with are closer ranging dogs. Yeah. When those guys walk crazy miles and the dogs are putting on 15, 20 miles a day. Yeah. It'd take a long time for my griff to put on that kind of mileage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is nice, especially in Montana here, because it's such big country, big fields that we tend to hunt. It's nice to have bigger running dogs. My poodle pointer works a lot closer, probably like your Griffon, sure. um, which is nice in pheasant country. And then it's nice to have that range if we're hunting sharp tailor huns that the, that the short hair has, he runs a lot bigger. So it's kind of a fun mix to have one out there moving a little too fast, a little too far and one in close, uh, you know, finding the birds. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have heard that before because I had another guest on. Um, he's got a GSP and he also has a Griff. And he says the combination of those two actually work really well together. Yeah. 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 So and, I, uh, I think it does. I think you you kind of cover both in, you know, infield and outfield that way a little better. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It really can make sense. And then the setters are a great dog. I mean, I've got a lot of love for setters. I told She's Jasper. I, oh yeah. I told Jasper I want to get a setter next just because they're so pretty to photograph. <laughs> She's fun. She gets moody, but she's fun. I mean, I I've like grew up with setters. Um that's kind of like what my family had, and then worked with a trainer um who my mom read about and I worked like the field trials with him and that, that's all they had. And so I just, I don't think I'll ever go away from setters. Honestly, they're just, I'm addicted to it. So yeah, they're beautiful. They are a gorgeous dog and yeah, yeah. like they, they're very stylish. Like yeah. mm -hmm. it's just a yeah. very stylish dog. And I completely mm -hmm. understand like, if you, if, if they all came from that article with your mom on the trainer and then if you worked with that trainer, like you just said, doing field trials, that's a lot of love. That's a lot of love for a breed. I don't, I don't think I can move away from that either. Yeah. It's tough. I maybe, maybe one day I'll get a GSP though. Those are fun too. A lot of energy, but they, maybe one day. They don't really have an off switch. No, <laughs> no. And neither does my setter, but now that she's hit seven, she's kind of like turning into that nice lady, like, you know, getting a little older, more, more relaxed. So hopefully in the next year we'll see her turn off a little bit more indoors but for now it just circles until i take her for a walk <laughs> literally <laughs> so who knows <laughs> yeah seven's pretty young i mean seven's prime years right there yeah yep. she's doing well she's doing really well so that that's awesome i love the dogs of it all i i just they're just my that, that's for me my experience so i just yep. love the dog work and I, I have love for all breeds i've never hunted behind a dog where i'm like Nope, not for me. I've always yeah. found something about every single breed. Be like, wow, 
Yeah, I could see owning one of them. And I'm like, wait, hold on. I can't have 30 <laughs> dogs at my house. I don't even have enough time to run them, let alone hunt them all. Yeah, seriously. It's tough. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. I'm going to leave the next few minutes here. Uh, touch If you want to tell people they can find Tailgate Tales, find you guys on Instagram, Facebook, social media in general, how they can follow you, any sponsors you want to thank, anybody you want to shout out. I'm going to leave this a little bit up to you guys. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, Almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Well, we should certainly thank our sponsors for Tailgate Tales, which are Federal Ammo and uh, Gunner Kennels and Final Rise Vests. They've been great to work with and have made this possible. And uh, yeah, you can find me at Eric Peterson Photo, Eric with a K and Peterson S-E-N. Uh, Tailgate Tales is on Instagram. Tales like the dog. Uh, no, Tales like the story. Sorry. <laughs> You'll find it eventually. Uh, I'll link it all in the I'll link it all in the description. It'll go. be real easy. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm. Uh, my Instagram is Jasper Poor. It's P-O-O-R-E. Jasper.poor on Instagram. But yeah, that's about it. I mean, you you look up Tailgate Tales, you'll see most of our stuff there. So yeah. We have some pretty photos. <laughs> Try and put up as much <laughs> as much as much bird content as we can. So. Yeah, if you like bird hunting, it's a pretty good I feel I feel like it's a pretty good feed. It's a lot of a lot of cool bird hunting stuff. So and dogs. Almost. Montana stuff. Montana yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. I'm a fan. That's what led me to reaching out to you guys. I mean, I saw what you guys were doing. I watched that long way home and all that. And I'm like, I got to talk to these guys. They're, they're making some, they're making some good content here and I want to, I want to talk to them about it. So sweet. Well, I appreciate that. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I highly appreciate you coming on. It's been a great show. It's been fun. I've, I've learned quite a bit, especially about the amount of work that really goes into making one of these shows so like it's it was it was eye-opening really like for the amount of pre like pre-production and everything else you do and i and we didn't even touch brace on the hours really of the post-production and the editing side of it (laughs) (laughs) so that's a little shout out to jasper right there so we all know the struggle behind the computer for thank you yeah (laughs) no i appreciate you having us on this has been fun to fun to chat with you yeah this is awesome it's always fun to talk bird hunting it's easy to talk to other people that have the same passions yeah exactly and even though we're all the way across the country it's it's like a lot of things are the same yep yeah exactly yeah yeah so thanks guys and to all my listeners out there thanks for tuning in again if you guys wouldn't listen i wouldn't do this so i really appreciate it and until next time keep chasing that experience think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky pursuing wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern 
Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.